second article of the Creed, we saw how Luther lifted out a single word from the Apostles' Creed, namely the word Lord, and made the centerpiece of his explanation. That is to say, he structured his treatment or explanation around that one word. In the third article of the Creed, Luther picks up on a different theme. This time, we call it sanctification. Sanctification is an interesting word for us, I think, because we use it in a different way than Luther does, at least in the Catechism. Uh, I think when you and I talk about sanctification, we're generally talking about the result of the Holy Spirit's work in your actions, my actions. It's what we do once the Holy Spirit has made us holy. Uh, And Luther could use the word in that sense, too. But in the Catechism, he uses the word sanctification referring to the action of the Holy Spirit that causes those results. Uh, It's interesting to note that in in the third article... There's no phrase at the end that kind of says, and so the, Holy, the result of the Holy Spirit's action uh, is that we behave ourselves, that we act as real human beings. Instead, we have a description of, of what we do in the first article as creatures. We uh, praise, serve, obey. Uh, in the second article, uh, what it means to be Christ's own and live under his rule is that we serve him. We, we do something. Uh, that's absent from the third article because sanctification here focuses on what the Holy Spirit does uh, to make us holy uh, and, and actually why we need the Holy Spirit's help. Well, even though the article is about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's work within our lives, the very first words that Luther utters in the third article really deal with us, namely, I cannot by my own reason or strength... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true that uh, Luther begins by talking about our inability. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's absolutely necessary for us because on our own, we just cannot find our way back to our God. In a sense, that line, uh, I cannot by my own understanding or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, is a summary of one of Luther's most famous, most controversial works, We usually translate it on the bondage of the will, though Luther said even in that work that the will, the human will in sin is very active. It's just bound to make the wrong choice. So um, bound choice is really probably a better translation of uh, Luther's Latin there. But his point there is that, well, first of all, simply because we are creatures, we are dependent on the, the action of our God. There's a great mystery in how our God uh, continues to be fully Lord, Almighty Father, um, the continuing creator, as we've talked about, and yet how he, at the same time, holds us just as responsible uh, as he is. He responsible for the whole universe. We responsible for what he has given us to do. But our dilemma is far worse than simply being creatures in a world controlled controlled by our God and yet in which we are responsible actors. The problem is confounded by our sinfulness. And now we can't even come back to that kind of creaturely uh, obedience and carrying out of the will of God um, because our sin has has bound our choice. We're continually making choices um, as we talked about in the first commandment. 
we choose to trust in a whole host of false gods, day in and day out. It's just that those choices are always bad choices, and we cannot come without the liberating power uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so Luther is emphasizing at the very beginning here the wonderful mercy of our God. Well, it sounds to me, Bob, then, as if in the second article, Christ accomplished redemption for us. The third article is dealing with how the Spirit delivers that redemption to us. Uh, Luther is calling that sanctification. Now, how does the Spirit go about that work within our lives? Well, the Holy Spirit works with tools. Uh, Luther is, is very insistent uh, throughout his preaching uh, and teaching that uh, God works through what he calls external means. Uh, he does that in providing for us through parents and, and rulers and, and the like. <clears throat> and when he's uh, coming to, del to deliver the benefits, the goods that Christ won for us in the battle against Satan, he comes through his word, uh, sometimes in oral form, sometimes in, in written form, uh, sometimes in sacramental form. Uh, and all three forms are based upon uh, for us uh, in our day, the written uh, word of God. And so the Holy Spirit calls us. He calls us through the gospel, that is, the good news about the benefits of Christ won for us in his death and resurrection. So the Holy Spirit comes as a God of conversation, uh, comes to us to talk, to call, to use the gospel in this mysterious way that recreates our, our whole beings because it recreates our faith, it, it recreates our trust, it liberates us from the false choices we've made about our God. <clears throat> and then he enlightens me with his gifts. So I think from the very earliest days of the church, uh, we see already in John 1, as a matter of fact, that, that Christ comes as the light of the world. Uh, where there was darkness, where we were groping about, where we were blind, God comes to enlighten us. And so Luther picks up on that language to enlighten us with his gifts. I think gifts is perhaps an expansion of the gospel, but essentially means the word and, and, uh, and the word as it comes to us through the church. And what that does is to make us holy. Uh, in the second article, Luther uses uh, the term to justify, to, to render righteous, uh, in a sense, Making us holy is a, a synonym in this case. Uh, it refers here, I think, to the entire life, uh, to giving us uh, trust that clings to Christ, that justifies as well. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, Paul describes uh, Jesus as both our justification and our sanctification. And Luther usually treats uh, those words there as synonyms. And so I think also in uh, this case, this is a word that covers everything that brings us to be the children of God as he wanted us to be. Uh, and so he, uh, he brings us to faith. He creates the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father through faith. And then he continues to keep us. As we saw in the first article, he is a God who is into preserving and providing. And so also in terms of our relationship with him, uh, he provides, he preserves, uh, he cultivates our uh, faith. Luther understood that as, as happening uh, through our use of the word uh, in preaching, in absolution, in conversation like this. 
uh, as well as in baptism and the Lord's Supper, and in our reading of the Word of God, both in the inspired scriptures and in written forms that are derived from it. Now, I sense in this article, too, that there is a similar pattern to what he had in the first article, namely working from the center out, taking me by the hand as a creature to receive the world as a gift. Here you have a movement from the Holy Spirit calling me to faith, then he uses the language, even as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, which seems to indicate that being a Christian is inseparable from being a part of the church or that one doesn't become a Christian apart from contact with the church. Um, but he has two parallel statements here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really important for us to see, particularly as individualistic Americans. But as you say, it's, it, it's precisely um, what... Luther was doing in the first article. He begins by saying, I, I can't believe. I can't come to Christ. The Holy Spirit has to call me. But as you say, he never calls me apart from other people. Uh, Even if I'm converted by someone leaving a Bible in a hotel room, uh, even if I come to faith because I hear preacher on an iPod or uh, on on television or radio. Nonetheless, it is the Church of Christ that is passing the word on. Uh, It really is parallel, as you pointed out uh, some time ago, uh, to God saying to Adam, it's not good that you're alone. And so Christians can't be Christians alone either. The whole church is formed by the calling, the preaching, the conveying of the word of God. Our God is a God of conversation who brings us into community. He gathers us. He puts us together. He enlightens and and makes us holy within the whole Christian church. That's a good reminder, too. It's kind of very much like uh, being in a human family. Um, We can choose our friends, but we can't choose our brothers and sisters. And so the people with whom God has joined us, with whom God has gathered us in our congregations, Our brothers and sisters, whether we like them, whether we like it or not, God is our Heavenly Father, and God has made us a part of his church. And the word gathering, I think, is worth emphasizing, partly because in our day and age we often think of uh, joining. Yes. And I know there is a sense where we do choose, say, which congregation we attend. But when we're talking about the one holy Christian church on earth, There's no talk here about joining that church. It's more that the Spirit gathers us into it. Yes, we are here because God has come to fetch us home. Now, Luther describes the primary activity going on within the church as the Spirit forgiving our sins on a daily basis. Uh, Is this, in fact, the Spirit's primary work? And uh, could I ask why Luther may have picked up on this primary theme uh, in order to emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not so sure that most Christians today think of that as the primary function of the Spirit within the church or the primary reason they uh, go to church. I suppose the simplest answer, uh, but too simple an answer, is that uh, Luther talked about the forgiveness of sins here because the ancient church did, because the ancient church 
saw the forgiveness of sins, uh, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting as the most important things uh, that the Spirit does. But it's consonant, I think, with Luther's entire uh, understanding of our lives in a sinful world. The critical moment is the forgiveness of sins. The high point of the repentance that Luther says is our daily rhythm of life is the forgiveness of sins. Not forgiveness in the sense that we're simply free now to decide whether we're going to go back to Satan or, uh, or, or get cozy up with God. Um, to, for Luther, the forgiveness of sins is the restoration of our humanity. It's life and salvation. And so when the Holy Spirit has forgiven us our sins, we are people that then, if we use the outline of the catechism, uh, go on to pray, go on to use his word, go on to have our daily meditation and devotion, go on to carry out our Christian callings in love to our neighbor. Uh, in that sense, the third article is a, a bridge from the creed in, into the whole um, rest of the catechism. So the forgiveness of sins means you're a real human being again. Live like it. And at the same time, as you connected forgiveness of sins to life and salvation, the forgiveness of sins is the power behind the resurrection of the dead. Yes. Or the resurrection of the body. It is a fulfillment of God's promise in the forgiveness of sins that he finally, on the last day, completes the job uh, by raising us up with the whole Christian church on earth uh, to enjoy the heavenly life uh, with God forever. And in this way, we arrive at the culmination of the story uh, that began with creation, the loss of creation due to the power of sin, death, and the devil, and Christ's recovery of creation, bringing forth an entirely new creation. Again, from um, God has made me uh, to on the last day the Holy Spirit will raise up me and all the dead and give us all uh, eternal life. Uh, you've got the full circle. With this, we arrive at the end of the creed. And it's worth noting that for Luther, especially in the large catechism, it is at this point that he deals with the topic of the Trinity. In other words, after we have dealt with the Father's work of creation, the Son's work of redemption, the Spirit's work of sanctification, he then asks, how are the three related to one another? And the way he relates them to one another is that the Father sends the Son in order to adopt us as children, and then he sends the Spirit who brings us to Christ. And bringing us to Christ, we see a mirror of the Father's heart. So he doesn't provide an elaborate treatment of the Trinity as we've perhaps come to recognize it in, say, something like the Athanasian Creed. Instead, he talks about the Trinity in the simple way that the Bible itself talks about the Trinity, as in Galatians 4 or Ephesians 1 or even John 3.16. With this, we are ready then to move on to an important facet of the Christian's life, namely that of prayer. Having recognized our need for faith, Having been given the gift of faith in the creed, faith now expresses itself in prayer to God, seeking those things that God has promised.